This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So I've just wanged up my, spe- my speaker volume. So You've what, make- sorry? Wanged. You've wanged, wanged it up. up. Yeah. Do you not use that as a verb? <laughs> I always use it as a verb. <laughs> so, so how would I do similar? Oh, you went robotic as well. What was that? How do you sound now, did you say? No, so how do I raise my volumes? Oh, don't worry about it. I've put the volume up so we can hear you then, then uh, Michael, oh, okay. uh, if you want to do it. Okay, it's a brand new laptop, so I'm kind of learning it as I go along. So, yeah. Um, Sorry, I should be helping. How was um, yeah, I'm gonna look out the meaning of wanged? <laughs> <laughs> you wang something, right? Well, the wanged meaning wang on that? here is to hit or throw something using yeah. force. But yeah, how, do you, how do you hit or throw something in the in the form of volume? You wang it up, don't you? You throw it up. You throw the you throw the volume in the right in the, in the upwards mm. direction. Come on, it works. Can we, how how often do you think you can get that phrase into the show tonight? I'll uh, I'll wang it in in several locations. <laughs> can we have some kind of jingle for every time you say it? Oh, I think that is yes, we can. Oh, wait, 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 wait! I found oh. something. How how's oh. that? Much better. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mike, are you finding um, sound sound effects for wanged? Yeah. Wang. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair St- enough. Stupidly, I searched for Wang as well. <laughs> you should not do that. It's a mistake. You know that. I hope that is your private computer and not a work computer. It is. It is. Slightly less dangerous than if you'd searched Wang it up, though. I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think that could um, could cause all sorts of trouble. Alexa, play back at the nest podcast. Playing back of the nest CPFC podcast from Amazon Music. Back of the Nest, now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music. Hello and welcome to Back of the Nest. I'm back. It's me, Chris Hambling. Hello. Um, hi. Uh, also, Cara and Patrick with me today. Uh, Patrick, you're in for Nick. Um, Cara, you're just you're just here. Um, you know, nothing. No, no substitution involved. You were you were picked for the first team straight away. So um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Absolutely honoured. So straight away, football football analogy in there. Do you see that, Patrick? I, I just haven't lost it. I'm, it's still all there. It's instinct. You did sound a lot more excited, uh, Hambo, about you being on the show than you did introducing me or Patrick, I have to say. Yeah, I know. 
it's, you've got to keep it honest. Uh, Who are you long, again? Uh, what? Who am I again? Who are you again? Yeah. I, listen, I've long told everybody that I'm my favourite presenter on Back at the Nest. So, <laughs> you know, um, everybody's great, but I'm my favourite. Um, anyway, enough of enough of that idle banter. Uh, plenty uh, to discuss today. Obviously, this is in light of Palace beating ugh, beating Liverpool. If only, if only beating Liverpool should have uh, should have done. But uh, drawing with Liverpool one one at Anfield, very very good result. Um, all things considered. Um, yep, there was a bit of controversy there. You know, it was a sending off. There was. Uh, a hit post by Zaha, but you know Palace riding their luck a little bit. We'll talk about the match in just a moment and our thoughts on that. But just before we get into the news for the week, you know, a little bit of a warm up for me more than anything because I don't, you know, I don't, as Patrick has been suggesting, not too many appearances for me on <laughs> on the show for a while. So um, I just wanted. Hello, uh, Gyro. Hello, Gyro. How are you? Yeah, I uh, Yeah, there you go. I am the Gyro <laughs> Reader Belt of Back of the Nest. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, how, how are we feeling? Um, I've obviously got a traumatic experience to tell tell you and the listeners about in a bit, but um, I'll, I'll start with you, Patrick, so everybody's not speaking at once. Um, you know, how, how are you how are you feeling? How are you doing? What do you think of uh, our start to the season? Um, I'm good. Um, I was uh, not upset. I was a little frustrated after the first result against Arsenal because, as you guys know, I have a history of Arsenal. Nephew supports them and. I hate them, etc. So I, I hate the fact that we lost to them. And then their fans got all excited. It just it wind me up. But I was very happy about yesterday's um one one win. Um because um uh you know, Liverpool are just such a good team. I mean we'll get into more detail with that, but I was I'm I'm happy with that. But just a, an aside before we continue, do you remember Ben Nagel? I remember that guy, yeah. We made him. Yeah, I played golf with him last week. He's actually now living in New York City. Got a big job at Daily Mail. He does the um, all the. Sp- uh, he explained the job to me honestly when we were playing. But I don't remember exactly what he said. No, it's, it's a very, very exciting con- job. It's very hard to concentrate on him because he is quite dull. So no, 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 no. Ben, I did not say that. If you're listening, I did not say that. Hamo said that. If he's I enjoyed it. It was good to see him. Big time. He's too big time for us now. <laughs> you know, he was a, he was Ben N seventeen when he joined. Seventeen years old, no experience, nothing. We made him. Where's my thanks? I don't even get a text anymore. Yeah. Oh dear, I shouldn't have brought him up, sorry. Anyway, Ben, nice playing with you, mate. It's too late now, Patrick. Come on, you've already called the guy, Joel. You can't pull it back from there. I know. <laughs> oh dear. I don't know. I'm just so jealous the two of you in New York City wanging golf balls up and down the course. You know. So, um, yeah, really frustrating. It was quite fun. I did see the picture you shared and he, he doesn't look a... a Yes, doesn't doesn't look like he's aged a day, and it's no. He looks the same as uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, disappointing. Cara, how about you? You doing okay? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, had quite an exciting day today, picking up my uh, best friend's wedding dress in preparation for her wedding. So that was good. Um, Footballing wise, yeah, all right. Do you know what? I dodged a bullet because I was on holiday for the Arsenal match, so I haven't actually seen it. So I feel like. Yesterday was like my first game of the season, and um, so I'm just going to stick with my memory of that being <laughs> the facts, and just ignore yeah. the Arsenal match ever happened. Yeah, I've got a, a similar similar feeling about that as well. I did see the Arsenal game, um, but I was in the middle of doing some other things. So I was travelling uh, to to go for a weekend away that was um, postponed from my birthday. Um, but so yeah, went on, went on a weekend away with my partner. It was really nice. We had a we had a lovely time. 
basically sat in a hot tub for for 24 hours not straight because that'll kill you apparently um but, kill you but, how um because it's really hot <laughs> it's, like, it's like slowly slowly boiling yourself alive um but yeah because it obviously yeah it causes quite a lot of um uh yeah kind of loss of electrolytes and things like that blimey um, death by hot tub Exactly, death by hot tub. It can happen and uh, and will happen. But yeah, so I mean, uh, this weekend is uh, just even better. You know, I've I've had um, anyone anyone who sort of listens to half of my my rubbish that I speak knows. I bought a house last year and I've you know, moved in with my partner. Got a dog, got a cat, and you know we'd got a challenging cat. We got a, a very challenging dog, um, and we thought we'll make things easy for ourselves with our third pet, which is another cat to be a friend. Uh, and he so far hates me. I mean, I've never felt such pure hatred from a being ever, and I've upset a lot of people. Um, so I don't. Everyone says it's normal, like the cat will hide and and potentially hiss and things like that. But it 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 feels personal, you know. Um, so any knowledgeable cat lovers out there, uh, Samantha Clacker in particular, just. Um, yeah let me let me know what i need to do to win win the little guy over because you know we did the right thing we went to the rspca we adopted the 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 cat that you know he was quiet he was shy he was you know he was really sweet and we thought that's going to be nice a bit calming influence in the house and oh my god um yeah yeah the only advice i can give you hambo i think from cat owners worldwide is you've just got to make peace with the hatred because it's just what cats do mm. i mean the other one the, the the existing cat admittedly does use my face as the springboard to get up onto the, the windowsill in the bedroom while i'm asleep but you know i thought that's affection right in in some ways i'm i'm sure i'm sure in that cat's way that's its way of telling you it loves you mm. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, if you've got any views on that, you can contact us on all of our social media, or you can email us, hi, at backofthenest.com. Still, still, got, still got it straight away. Do you see that? Oh, it's just, it's like riding a bike, presenting a, a podcast. It really is. So anyway, shall we get into news this week? First up, Cara, we've got a, an interview um, coming up on this show. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Mike and I caught up with um, Molly Sharp last week. Um, we've uh, had the pleasure of interviewing her once before and we thought we'd do a catch up um, before the Women's Championship kicks off this weekend. Um, I'm sure everybody knows by now, but the women's team has had uh, a load of new players. I think we've got 15 new players. So Molly's one of the only, um, uh, one of the few existing um players from last season to remain so it was great to catch up with her um and i think that's coming up at the end of this show is it it most certainly is yeah we'll try and keep our our jabbering to an absolute minimum so we get a nice short sharp podcast and uh, and get to hear what is some fantastic content and um i'm sure everyone's going to enjoy it massively and and sticking with the the subject of the, the palace women um two players called up for england youth training camps for the under-19s, uh, Natalia Negri, who we've signed from Charlton Athletic, boo, um, yeah, uh, in the summer is, is one of those. And for the England under-18s, we have uh, Sean Nagayet, who's been, uh, who's, who was at the Chelsea Academy until recently, and um, another one of our new players. So fantastic to see uh, England recognition 
for those two. And of course, the uh, the Palace women begin their season away to London City Lionesses on August the 21st. And the first home clash um, is, is a, in Hayes Lane, Bromley against Coventry United. I don't have a date for that, but I'm sure you can check it out on the Palace website for the first home game as well. So if you can, get to get along and support the Palace women's side. I think it's going to be an exciting season and we'll uh, we'll keep up to date with it. Um, the uh, the men's academy sides, um, Patrick, I know you, you watched the 18s game, um, under-18s losing 3-2 to West Ham. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, it's, an, it's a newish team. So um, a couple of players that I remember from last year, Joshua Day played, Junior Dixon, who's a striker. Um, and they've got that new kid they got from um, Ireland, uh, Cormac uh, Austin, I believe his name is. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing is, they're, you know, they're very attacking. So I think they, they actually had lost uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago in a uh, preseason tournament to West Ham. They're actually, I think, you know, in the game, they were up like maybe 3 0. So they're having, they're having these growing pains, I think, as far as like just gelling. Because that's the second game that I've seen them play that they've been ahead comfortably and end up losing. <laughs> Um, but I've, they've got some really good players in there. I mean, I know, like, for instance, Ryan Bartley, who's uh, just signed a pro contract, is their captain, and he's still technically under 18. They've got a couple of decent goalkeepers. Jackson Izquierdo's a goalie in there, and it's that kid they got last year, Lawrence Schala. Um, Whitworth is, is technically an under 18, apparently, but he's obviously now training with the first team because of the injury that we have. Um, so um, they, I think, you know, the future looks bright. I mean... Um, I like the look of the team. I mean, you know me, Ham. I'm always into watching the the younger younger players play and how they develop. And the good thing is, like I said, with the Palace TV uh, Plus um, subscription that I have, I get to see a lot of the games. And this game was I got on, I guess at six o'clock my time. That was pretty early in the morning, so I got up early to watch the game. But it was good. I'm enjoying. Uh, I'm enjoying the, the the young kids so far this season. Mm. I love I love the commitment, and it's interesting seeing the the development um, of those players coming through. It really, it, is. it just seems yeah. to. It just seems to happen so quickly, though. You know, you, you you get used to, you know, a couple of the names, don't you? And, you, you know, so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, uh, Akinwale, Oladabomi. Bomi, right. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're gone and it's some new names and you're just like, oh. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I thought I knew what was happening. And now, you know, Freddie Bell, Junior Dixon, I, I knew, I've heard both of those names before. Right. Never seen a minute of them playing and I'm just like, it's so hard to keep up. But when you see them and you see the talent coming through, um, it is phenomenal. It'd be interesting to see just how much of an impact um, our, you know, our, our academy facilities make in the next few years because, you know, a lot of these players are, are coming into a, a very different setup to those that have gone through in the past. And, um, you know, let's hope it gives even more of them a, a, a real chance. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, I have to say as well when you when you think about the players that I just mentioned in the 18s, um, the 23s absolutely destroyed Man United. Uh, it was five one. So Killian Phillips, who joined us last year uh, from Ireland, got two of those goals, and obviously I think a lot of people saw him in pre season. Uh, one of yeah. those that, that went over to the um, the tournament in Singapore and Australia, and you know he actually stood out. And, and Vieira even commented on him. There's a there's a big big talent there. Whether on you know not he's he's got enough for a regular in the Premier League, it remains to be seen. But he's made a fantastic start, and you know uh, I'd be interested to see how he grows and develops. So two goals from him, David Omalabu. Um, Rob Street and J.K. Gordon were the other goals there. Um, 
I didn't see all of it. I saw a smattering of it. Gordon looks like he's he's got a little bit stronger, that little bit more kind of devil in his game, which was good to see. Um, Amalabu's a um, you know obviously an out and out goal scorer, and um, good to see him getting on the score sheet. Uh, and the street obviously went out on loan last year, and I'm hoping, hoping, I'm sure he'll hope to get out again this year. You had your hand up there briefly, Patrick. I don't know, did I say what you were going to say? Yeah, no, I, I think the key this season for both Omolabu and uh, Gordon is one, stay injury free. Both were injured a lot last season, which is why they didn't really blossom. And two, I need them, I think they both need to go out on loan. Like you just mentioned, uh, Hambo. Street got on loan last year to Newport. I think he did pretty decently for, you know, for what he, the time that he got. But I think. I'm a libel. You know, he has such a tremendous scoring record he had the year before, both the 80s and 23. I think he needs to go out on loan to see where he's going to play. He's kind of small. I don't see him as a striker, so he's going to have to play out wide off the left or off the right. And and J.K. Gordon, the goal he scored against uh, United was such a well-taken goal for a striker where he cut in, beat the defender, and then went low to the goal he's left. I mean, just a, a striker's goal, but he also needs to get out on loan because I don't think either one of them would, would get anything out of playing 23 ball. I think they need to leave that for, you know, Akinwali and, you know, uh, Ola Adabomi to play and let those three actually with Street go out and long because I think they could really, they need to do something as far as I'm concerned at a lower level to see if they can actually make it in professional ranks. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think you look at him and, and I, I always sort of hark back to the, you know, the, the old days of the big man, little man forward line, you know, and you think, okay, <laughs> yeah. playing off, a, a, you know, playing off a, a Cameron Jerome slash Alan Lee slash Mark Glenn Bray, Murray, you know Glenn Murray <laughs> playing off that that type of a forward. He, he you know he might might have had a, a proper chance, but he doesn't look like. Um, I mean, it's only really AJ that led the line as a as a lone striker with, you know, with only being about five eight. And I don't think I've ever seen a, a player of his stature do that. You know, since um, anywhere really, I can't think. Maybe someone will tell me that there's somebody out there, um, but. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. Well, as you say, Patrick, it remains to be seen what happens there. So that's all of your news. So I think it's time for us to get on with talking about um, about the match. And, you know, honestly, I suppose, you know, for, for a game that was so frenetic uh, and, and so full of kind of energy and commitment, um, you know, there's not masses to talk about in terms of, of, of chances and incidents. There's, there's a lot to talk about in terms of how Palace approached the game, Um Certainly a, a couple of key incidents, really. You know, I, I think the change of system, if we can start there, I, I was very interesting. Obviously seen throughout the course. I'd, I'd heard suggestions, like I think probably most people, that over the summer, Vieira was really looking for a, a, an opportunity to develop an alternate system, which involved three at the back. And we saw some experimentation with that in, in spells last year. And... You know, to, so in that sense, I guess it wasn't a surprise. But you know, Joel Ward starting on the right of a three, um, Anderson in the middle, Gay on the left, and then seeing Klein at one. I, I hesitate to say wing back because uh, it was it was more defensive than that, and obviously Mitchell the other side. Um, and and I think that that change of system did actually catch Liverpool out a little bit. You know, not that they, they struggled at the start, but they did struggle to to find their, their kind of flow in the final third. And it was it was just every time we kind of lost a player at the back post, that's where the opportunities came from. But other than that, you know, it was good defending. There was a bit of luck and there was the occasional poor finish, but that kept things level. And then the, the break, that was a clear idea of what we were going to do. 
Uh, Zaha took the chance well. We'll talk about that a bit later. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Patrick mentioned how good Liverpool were. They are a great side. And even, you know, I think I, I, I've said in my notes here that I felt the red card galvanised them. Uh, and I'm also not a, a fan of Nunes anyway. I think he was hampering them. I think the red card did him a massive favour. Uh, but it did take, you know, pretty much a, a wonder goal there from Luis Diaz. Um, you know, again, we'll talk about the defending there, I'm sure. So that that's a kind of general summary of the game. But let's talk about lineup. And I'll start with you, Cara. What did you think of uh, the three at the back? Well, I, I feel like as a fan of any club, any game, you're never going to be excited seeing that you're lining up that heavy at the back, I don't think. Um, and I've just got a bit of a hangover of being like, oh, are we going to be able to sustain all the pressure that we invite by um, playing that system? However, well, and that that nervousness continued actually for that first period of the game where Liverpool were just on us, on us, on us. But then we kind of saw the sparks of actually is working. We saw like the confidence, I think, um, I think Vieira said after the, um, in his post-match interview that, um, like the individual players are getting used to playing this system. You mentioned it, Hambo, that you kind of tried it out last season with like limited success, but clearly it's something they're working on. And um, I was reading earlier Matt Woosnam's piece in The Athletic where he's talking about, you know, Vieira really wants this to be his plan B and like a really reliable plan B to be able to confidently set the team up like this. And I think we we did kind of see it work, really. Like I think to have offered coming away from that game one all, regardless of um, how we set up and who we had on the field, I think we all probably would have snapped that result up. And I just think it's interesting to see the kind of confidence of the individual players really coming through only in the second game of the season. And everybody just seems uh, just really up for it and really just seems to know what they're doing. But we'd seen less and less of that kind of confused, getting lost um, on the ball, off the ball um, stuff that we kind of saw at various points last season when we tried to change things up. Um, and so I think it's I think it's pretty exciting. To quote Wilf, I think it is pretty exciting for the rest of the season. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with all of that, really. I think, um, you know, I, I think it's very easy, as you say, to look at your team lining up defensively. Um, but it's kind of goes back to some old conversations. I don't want to, rake, I'm not going to rake over the coals of the past, but you know, I do think there's a massive difference between a defensive setup and a negative setup. You can, you can set up defensively without being negative. And I felt that's what we did. I don't think we went into this game thinking purely let's stop Liverpool. It was all about, 
you know, we've got the tools to hurt them in the right way. So let's give ourselves the setup that gives us the, the kind of the springboard, if you like, to do that. Uh, it took real quality to to execute that plan. Um, and, you know, ultimately you do, with a, with a team like Liverpool, you do have to be lucky. I saw the stats on the game of the last 10 games against Liverpool. Um, uh, we've conceded 30 goals. Um, which, you know, if you're averaging conceding three goals a game against a team, <laughs> that's, you know, that's hard to take. And I know we've had some good success in recent memory against Liverpool, but it's, you know, that they are so, so good. And we, and we just have to accept that we needed to do something different. And I found it really encouraging. And I would also sort of take on what you said there about, you know, how the team gelled. And, and we'll talk about that in, in probably more detail again, I'm sure. But I do think an extra week of working working together as a single group, I think the, the lessons learned from, from the Arsenal game, I think all of those things seem to have been taken on board really quickly. And this goes back to what impresses me the most about Vieira's Palace. It's, I don't ever feel like we're going to be failing to, to learn lessons. Um, other than perhaps we're defending a set pieces. Sorry, Cara, jumping. Yeah, no, I just uh, like completely agree with that. And I think one of the key like parts of this is how Vieira seems to work with the individual players. Because if we look like, yeah, it is about gelling the squad together, but it seems like what he wants to achieve is to be able to use all of the different options that we've got, which is going to involve like at like, regular intervals, different combinations of players being on the pitch in different formations so it's not necessarily like a real focus on right like what we saw from um, the England women's team for example during the Euros which was exactly the same lineup for every single game and then you change within the game that's not really what we want to go with so that the the way of gelling the team but through making every single individual that goes onto the pitch really confident in what they can bring and really well briefed on exactly what their job is I think is probably for me the most exciting bit because then every single opposition you look at you don't really look at them and go oh well it doesn't really suit our style because we've got the confidence that we can adapt and um set up in a way that that we can get kind of grind these results out and the thing for me is that um what makes me most excited about having Vera as our manager is his willingness to change things up so yesterday um as I'm watching the match um NBC uh Robbie What's Robbie's last name? I've got him. Wimbledon player, anyway. Uh, had us set up as a 3 4 3. So he had obviously uh, Anderson, Gahey, Ward as the back three. Then you had um, Mitchell wide with Klein, and he had DeCore and Schlub. Then you had a, a three of Wilf left. He actually had Eze as a false nine, which is interesting. And then Jordan Ayo as the as as right side. So obviously we were more in a 5 4 1. But regardless of how he played, I just love the fact that Vieira decided that, listen, we can't go toe-to-toe with Liverpool. It's not going to happen. We're not going to have enough of the ball. And as Will said, and as Vieira said, we're going to have to suffer, which we did for many parts of that game. And then hopefully we'll catch one on the counter-attack, which is what we did a few times. And I really like the way that not only do we set up, you know, how we have in the past where we look at the counter-attack, but the way that Eze and Wilf were involved. Now, I think the hold-up play by Wilf wasn't what it needed to be. But we caught, we got some breaks. I mean, we had the chance for the Decoy set up for Wilf late. And then obviously the goal that, as they set up for Wolf, and then Wolf had a, actually had a chance early in the first half. But I just like the way that that system allowed us, you know, to stay in the game with Liverpool. Now, as you mentioned, Hambo, the 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 the, the red card definitely galvanised um, Liverpool. Uh, the goal by Diaz was phenomenal. 
but we deserve that point. And we won't play 3-4-3 or 5-1 every single match because it doesn't make sense. But yesterday, it worked really, really well. I think it's, um, yeah, that, that's that's nice. I don't want to, you know, pick out literally everything that, that we, we see from Vieira and say, I've, I never have a problem with anything that he does. And I agree with all right. of his decisions and things like <laughs> that. Because there are some still some things that, I mean, look, we wouldn't, wouldn't be football if you didn't think, you know, how can how can you not see this thing, you know, that I'm seeing? How can you not understand this? And we all, as fans, we all have, always have those things. And, you know, me, it's, I, I guess, particularly, I, I don't feel comfortable starting games with Jeffrey Schlipp in midfield. I have to say that. And sorry, central midfield to be precise. And there were a couple of, more than a couple of occasions, occasions last year where I, I felt that way and he made me eat my words because, you know, he's more accomplished there than, than I will admit I give him credit for. But I feel when you when you look at your team um, on paper before a match um, and, and try to think to yourself, okay, let's look at this team honestly and clearly. What um, what would other managers in this league look at, you know, pick from our team and, and repeat? You know, if we if we were to take Jeffrey Schlupp and say any other manager in this league, take take Jeff and play him in central midfield in your team, how many people would do it? And then I think the same about playing three centre backs and one of them being Wardy. He was actually decent, you know what I mean? But but would are there many managers in that league that would take Joel Ward from Palace and then play them at the centre back? And that sounds like I'm being incredibly disrespectful to two really good players who've, who've given an awful lot for Palace. And, and I'm really not trying to be. I'm just trying to say it's a little bit like the old arguments over Hennessy, which was, I'm not saying the guy was not good enough to be a professional goalkeeper. I'm saying that at the top level of football, you need better. And it, and I feel the same way about Jeff Schlupp in central midfield and, and Joel Ward, whether he's playing right back or, or in center, as a centre back. I feel... If we're if we're looking to push up and compete, those are the areas that we need to strengthen in and do better in. So great points, Hamba. I'm going to say this because I've seen him play. Chris Richards will will replace Awardy at some point in the three. If you saw him yesterday, I'm sure you did watch him. He's a very good player and he can play there. The Schlupp thing's interesting because I agree with you 100. percent We have to upgrade. But the thing about him is that let's compare him, let's say, to Jake Decore. Now they're not the same player because they play different positions. Obviously. Um, we want Schlupp to be more of a Gallagher and our box to box and eight. And obviously, um, Decore is a holding. But look how well Decore progresses the ball, can keep the ball, is press resistant and can pass the ball. That's what Schlupp has to be. He's not going to be a developer now. He's 30 plus years old. But my point is that that's what we want Schlupp to be. Someone who is press resistant, meaning when, when he's pressed, he doesn't panic and lose the ball. He can play a really good progressive pass. He can drive the ball forward, which Decore does very well. And he can cross the ball. I mean, Schlupp will pop up and get a goal, which is great. But that's the one thing we're missing, I think, as far as the way we play right now. We have to get another midfielder. I'm not I'm not going to come here and say, oh, look at Gallagher back. Oh, God, I don't need to hear that a hundred times because we all know if we can get him back, we get him back. But we need to get another player in there because I'm telling you right now, I am loving the Corey and Esley. It's just the third person. Who is it going to be? Because if we get that third person at midfield, we can be, do some really, really nice things this season. Yeah, for sure. And I I do want to give like 
deference to Schlub and say that it's not an easy role he's got there, is it? You know, and he's he's not the one who's picking him, himself and all that <laughs> exactly. kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's like it's a tough role to 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 try and do a bit of everything. And I think my my I guess biggest frustration with him is I actually think he's more capable than he shows. I think he's we've seen him as you said, Patrick. You listed a whole bunch of things that he can do there, but you know, unfortunately, the the things that and again, perhaps there's bias from me, but things that I tend to remember are him standing off players um, or and the occasional switch off. And those are the things that have always held him back. But again, you know, he was part of a, a Palace side who have just drawn 1-1 with Liverpool at Anfield, you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make out that he's a terrible player. I'm just saying when you look at a team and you start trying to think, how can we be better? Um, those are the two areas that, that I think you know, we can, we can do better at, and I have to say, you know, and, and we'll, there's some listener contact on this later. I don't believe, even if we'd got no other mid central midfielders, I don't believe he's the best central midfielder to play that position. You know, I think Will Hughes is, that's just my opinion. Uh, Cara. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say like a, a general point on that. I think like both the examples you've given there of Ward and, and Schluppy, a, a kind of representative of where we are at the moment with the team. Like we're bringing in players and they are players that have been good enough to hold that position while other positions have been a priority to replace or to build. And I think, I think that's fine for where we are as a club at the moment, you know, like they are still doing the job like, yeah, okay. Like not always reliably and not always to the, to the quality that we might want to see, but like we are still transitioning in this kind of second season under Vieira and like uh, those those um positions I think those new players will come into those positions but it's I think kind of credit to them if you think of the Palace uh, teams that they have played in previously and the amount of adaptation they're having to do to play how Vieira wants them to play like they're they're doing all right I just want to give them a little bit of defense (laughs) yeah of course you know it's, it's a valid point and I expect there's a lot of people at home think you know wanting to defend especially after that performance you know, I can't sit here and, and say Ward didn't have a decent game. But what I can do is is analyse the goal. And um, and there's probably there's three players, you know, that, that really, you know, in, in my view, we can talk about how good a goal that was, you know, really direct running and a fantastic strike gave the keeper just no chance, never getting anywhere near it. But I think we got opportunities there for that not to happen. I think, you know, are you? I'm not going to criticise because he's coming back, um, and he, he can't really get the challenge in. You know, okay, arguably he's got he's gone past him a bit too easily, but you know that's that's not really his job to to kind of make that tackle. It's it's the three he walks past. It's you know Klein hesitant. You know, then he par- Klein passes him on toward, and you know, and in a back three with the with the full back tucked in like that. That's what you do, you know. The player goes past you, you pass him on. You know, Ward never, never getting near him. Just, just you know, sidestep, sidestep, sidestep. Passes him on to to Jeffrey Schlup. Still no challenge, no dive at the feet, no, no, no. You know, throwing yourself to try and stop that shot coming in. Um, you know, there's there's three players who stood and watched, um, and that's it. You know, that's the difference between you know, really making Liverpool sweat and, and maybe taking the three points. That's the difference. And that's what it all comes back down to, in my view. If you if you step up that level and hope you're right, Patrick. Hope Richards is um, you know, someone especially in a three 
who's going to come in and make that difference. So I was quite impressed with him. Let's talk about his debut, Patrick. You know him as a player. Um, but, you know, he, he came off the bench at a difficult time in the game. You know, I think 11 minutes left to go. Liverpool was still pushing pretty hard. And, um, you know, we're trying to find some way back in to create some chances. Uh, he got up to the speed of the game really quickly. Yeah, he's, 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 I mean, he comes out of Dallas Academy over here in America. Um, and then he got picked. Amazing. I mean, I don't think, you don't know how the academy system works. It's very unusual for the academy player. And again, Dallas Academy, anybody doesn't know, it's probably Dallas FC or FC Dallas, sorry, probably the best academy in, in the MLS. And then, you know, he's, 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 he's playing in a tournament and he gets picked out by Bayern Munich. I mean, I know they had, they actually had like a, a thing with, with FC Dallas as far as like looking at players, but for him to come from there to go to go over Bayern and then get to play with players like Lewandowski and, and that is amazing. And, and, and again, you know, he's going to, he's, he wants to start, um, in the, in the World Cup. So he didn't come to Paris to sit on the, you know, to, to, to sit. Now, DR and I have this conversation. We actually have a bet going on. Uh, he's going to play more than people think. I know, uh, DR don't think he'll play more than 25 games. He will because he's not a right back. Can he play there? Yes, like yesterday, he can fill in because we had to because Mitchell was injured and Clement to the left back, etc. But I really believe we're going to play three at the back. And I think Vieira will play it more often than people realise. It'll be against like the Liverpool. I've got to say Liverpool. There's only one Liverpool. Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, you know, Tottenham, you know, the top six sides. He'll have to do something like that. And it works. It works again. You know, it kind of didn't work last year against Chelsea, but it does. But he is a he's a centre half. He's he's good in the air. If you watch him yesterday, he's very calm. He's he's anticipation is excellent. That's why I like him. He's a very good he's a very good at defending. He's a defender's defender. He you know he can pass the ball again like Decore press resistant. You don't have, you can't really press him. He's not he doesn't get flustered. He's very skillful on the ball. Like Anderson can make a pick out a 20, 30 yard pass, which is going to be great seeing him. Gahey and Anderson. Given only three of them can, you know, ping the ball up to Will for to Olise out wide or or Edward. So I'm really excited to see him play. I'm really glad he got to play yesterday because if it's only a few after, he was very excited to have gotten his debut. You know, in the cold and at his Anfield, you know, in front of the cop. You know, getting that point, being a part of that was big for him. It was nice for him to get that, and I think he'll play more. I mean, last year, I remember at the end of the season, Gay he was injured but kept playing. Anderson, you know. Neither one of them, you know, they played the entire season. This year, it's nice to know that we have someone like Richards that can come in. And for me, he won't miss a beat. He really won't. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play a lot more this season. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a very short amount of time to judge a player and he's still getting up to speed as well. But, you know, it's, it's good to hear that. And the, the signs are pretty good. And, you know, we don't, you know, hopefully, hopefully Mitchell's not too bad. Um because obviously that's not a, a massive area of strength. And we've sent Teo out on loan, where for some reason he's not getting anywhere near the Coventry side at the minute. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Maybe Gyro will be playing left back again. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but look, let's, um, you know, talk about a few other things. I, you know, again, in terms of decisions with with uh, with Vieira, I, I thought the IU going off was was understandable uh, um on the sort of 63 minute mark but the he just seems reluctant to throw um a buway on which you know I, I think when you watch him in that video tearing brighton apart in the reserves you know and, and things like that and every kind of every second really that he's played um in, in pre-season and, and and off the you know, a little little cameo off the bench. You just think, you know, what an exciting player he is. And perhaps I think this is an example of us as fans, well, certainly me as a fan, 
being really focused on the the kind of the flair, the attacking, the kind of similar feat to Wilf, the, the directness, and me thinking all about going and winning that game. And you know, perhaps it's the other part of the of, of the game, the defensive level, and and what have you in the. And the system, I guess, the system change that Vieira was looking for that meant he didn't make that that as a like for like swap. But I don't know. I I I kind of I was a little less than inspired by that substitution. I have to say, but that's you know I'm 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 nitpicking here to show that I'm not just going to worship Vieira for everything that he does, um, and because he you know he, he isn't like some previous managers and things that he's actually you know an exciting manager to watch, but. You know, there's certainly things that I feel that we potentially could have done different, but it doesn't mean they would have been better results. But um, shall we move? We'll, we'll move on, really. It was good to see um, Elise back on the bench. Only got on for a couple of minutes, but again, really, really impressed just in those couple of minutes. I have a question of both you and Cara, actually, Hambo. What do you think? And I've had discussion with uh, my YouTube friends um, about Edward. Now, I believe we should give him three or four matches, but I'm honestly starting. I'm not there yet. To get a little frustrated at him as far as his production. I love what Mateta did uh, when we signed him permanently, and I thought he did really well, you know, Millwall, et cetera, going forward. And I you know, I think he kind of, you know, gave us that little impetus we needed last season. But what are, your, what are your, both your thoughts on Edward as far as, you know, going forward for this season? I'll let Cara go first on that and then, you know up the pieces <laughs> <laughs> no pressure um yeah I feel like to, if I'm being if I'm giving starting from a position that I like to start off at which is giving as much benefit of the doubt as possible um it's that there's been so much chopping and changing around that I think a lot of the effort last season went into kind of um really like bringing Elise through and, and managing, uh, bringing him up to speed. And then um, obviously like we're now seeing like uh, Eze being brought up to speed. And I think the the kind of Matetas and the Edwards maybe and uh, Benteke uh, to a certain extent as well, were kind of swapped in and out to see who would fit rather than there seeming to be like a real concerted effort in um how we can use them and how we can develop, and, uh, develop them and how we can push them. So that's my benefit of the doubt uh giving the benefit of the doubt stance I would say when I saw that substitution yesterday I was a bit like oh really um because yeah I don't know I feel like Edward is has shown sometimes that he does have quite an ability to kind of get lost in the game a little bit which made me nervy about yesterday so I'm not I'm not 100% convinced but I'm not going down the route of like making a decision on exactly what I think about him because I just think he's not really had that we're going to give you the solid commitment to really see what you can do go on have a part and yeah I know I know where you're coming from there I mean first of all I completely get what you're saying Patrick it's just the more you kind of see the more you're starting to go oh okay where where's he going to succeed you know because when he's used out out wide, he drifts in and out of the game, and and when he's central, he, you know he's he's he, he's not going to hold the ball up. But we're not really playing through him either. There's there's not really anything happening. So the, right. the question really becomes: Well, what sort of a player is he? You know, what kind of a striker is he? So he's not a he's not a he's a centre forward who doesn't hold the ball up. So. <laughs> Where where does that centre forward fit in the in the Premier League? 
he only fits in if he's playing alongside somebody. Exactly. And at the moment, I don't think we have a system where we're using, you know, two up the middle. So he only really fits in off the bench to to chase a goal, to chase a game, or to to kill a kill an opponent off. And he's never going to get the the momentum that he's going to need to to show what he's capable of. And and so I think. I don't. I just don't know. It's got to that point where I don't know what we thought we were going to sign him to do, based on the abilities he has. He's, he's clearly a very good striker, clearly a very good finisher. But it's been that long now, and I think this is where you're, you were going with it, Car. It's been that long now that there's no momentum, there's no real sharpness or confidence. So even the, the things that he was instinctively finishing at Celtic <laughs> and, when, and when we bought him, they're just. Yeah. Those instincts are no longer there. So what do you do? I, I, I don't know. It is a concern. You hope with game time he'll get better. So what what do what do we do with him then? Like do we do, do we keep him and just think, well, if it if we end up going down a route where he fits in, we've we've got him on the bench to do that? Or do you get to a point where you're like, okay, when we signed him, the team looked like this, we've kind of developed that team on from now where where he doesn't really fit and and move him on. How how long do you do you keep him on for? Well, either he adapts or or we adapt um, a system. I don't see us changing the system. So he's got to work really hard in training and really hard with the coaching staff to do something different in his game that, that finds him a way in. That's how I see it. And if he doesn't, you know, at some point we'll sell him and, and somebody else will, will come in and get a go. And what I will say, um, I'm willing to give him this season because Mateta didn't fire his first season. You've got to give him a second season in the Premier League. He's, only, you know, he's new to the league. And also, we don't have a lot of options because we've been decade gone. Um, unless we you plan to use Wolf as a striker all the time, which I wouldn't recommend, I think. What we did like yesterday is a perfect example when you want to have him going against Liverpool. You don't want to have him doing that all the time. You've got Mateta and maybe Luke Plunge, and that's just not going to be enough. So I wanted to give him the entire season, but Hamburg makes a great point. You know, he's going to have to do things to adapt because what I'm seeing and what we're seeing right now, I don't know that that's going to be enough for him to be successful the way Vieira is playing right now, but let's see what happens. So I think, um, look, I mean, look, let's, let, let's kind of round off the, the discussion uh, about the Liverpool game um, with a couple of the key things. So first of all, obviously we haven't discussed the goals in any real detail. We, we'll discuss the goal we conceded in a little bit of detail, but um, you know, Wilf's finish was, was really good quality. Um, and I, th- I think really when you're looking at Eze's part in that, the, the weight of pass is superb. It, it doesn't really mat- matter that the direction is a little bit less than, um, you know, perfect because the weight is is, is just exact. Um, and the fact that he's managed to play that pass, you know, half a second after getting, you know, a real heavy challenge and stepping away from it, um, just shows the quality he has, and he's really starting to motor again. I don't think he's in full flow, but you know he's finding his way in that in that team um, in terms of of being able to sort of deliver the level that we're after. You know, and, and people obviously tempted to sort of say he's playing the Gallagher role. You know, he isn't. It's we've had to adapt that for the absence of Conor Gallagher, um, and it's a, and it's a different role. And, um, you know, it's it's just really very encouraging. So I don't think there's any further kind of analysis needed for, for the goal. It was a goal on the break. But we do have to talk about the red card um, and and more importantly, the death threats and abuse that, that Joachim Anderson is getting 
Um, it's just it's just just ridiculous to see. So first of all, I, I don't think either of yourself, uh, Cara, or or yourself, Patrick, are going to disagree that two attempted headbutts uh, with the second one connecting warranted anything other than a red card, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no argument against it, is there? <laughs> In any realm of reality. So there's there's no point there that we can think, oh, you know, Anderson has, I don't know, milked the contact or, you know, in any way initiate. I mean, you know, it was a physical battle, wasn't it? This is, you know, a, a player who had endured a frustrating time in front of goal, um, who was who was being really very well handled by um, a player who's been superb this year already in, in these two games in, in Joachim Anderson, just an absolute rock and still a, you know, fantastic passing from last year and, the, and the just, uh, just such a good defender really wound him up. He's, you know, he's really put him on his, on his back and the head's got thrown and obviously Anderson has reacted and, and told him not to be so ridiculous. So he's thrown the head again. Madness, you know, so there's nothing there, is there, Patrick? I know you were just about to speak. Sorry. Yeah, no. Th- I mean, there's nothing there. And, and you know, somebody on on Twitter put out get a lot compilation of how a great job Joe did the entire match of winding him up. So it's a matter of time before that happened. But you know, in, it's the Premier League that happens all the time. I'm sure if you did that on in any given match, you'd see a very smart central defender trying to wind up someone like Erling Haaland. But you can't bite and you can't headbutt a player. Now, you know. I'm not trying to promote them, but I listened to talk sport today. And some of the comments, Didi Haman said it wasn't even a headbutt. Liverpool fans all calling in today during the show um, with Ben T talking about how it wasn't a headbutt. I mean, you've got to be joking that he didn't hit him. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and you can't do it. And then, you know, just to jump on the on then the death threats, the, the comments on Instagram towards Anderson. So pathetic. Seriously, it's a football game. Now, I take it seriously as the next person, but death threats to a player because your player got himself sent off. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, that, that's so over the, over the top. And I really hope that the Premier League, you know, these 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 Instagram, whatever, you know, finds those people because it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, I feel so bad for the guy. The guy's playing football and now he's got his family threatened because he got headbutted in a football match. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's just, it's painful to even think about sometimes. It really is. Yeah, it, it it's just horrendous. And I like sometimes just sit there and think like, what what do these people have going on in their lives that the only use of time they have is to go and write these kind of messages to people that they're never going to meet, that exactly. they just watch on TV? Like it, it, it boggles my mind that people, number one, have the time and number two, choose to spend their time just conducting themselves in that way is is wild like the reality of of what happened is that Anderson played an absolute blinder for that game he was a like incredibly intelligent defender knew that he had a player that he could wind up um and I would like to think if that was the other way around we'd be looking at our player that got sent off going why on earth did you lose your head why are you so like playing so naively that you're letting a defender do that to you because that's the game like Mm-hmm. This is how it works. And anybody watching that and thinking that it's Anderson, like that Anderson did anything other than what a defender in his position should do, just doesn't know anything about how you how football is played, in my opinion. Well, like that's part of the psychological yeah. game and 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 what, what you should be trying to do to get that little bit over a, a very tough opponent. I think as as Palace fans, we you know, we're even more kind of impacted by the ridiculousness of it because of spending over you know what was it nearly a decade watching Wilf 
well over exactly. a decade really exactly. and and him being harassed bullied kicked all over the pitch and you know when he's reacted and got himself into trouble which is rarer than people give him credit for you know he reacts but very you know he rarely he's you know, got himself into masses of trouble. But when he has, he gets rightly criticised for it. You know, and, you know, I don't think we're guilty of double standards in that respect. I think he gets a lot of, uh, he gets a, away with some degree of it because we love him so much. But you know what I mean? It's not like any of us are going to go and threaten someone with death because they failed Wilf because we'd be doing it every five minutes. And then even in that match, you could shine a light on the Liverpool defenders and, you know, have, have they given our have our given our strikers an easy time? No, of course not. It's been holding, pulling back, kicking, shoving off the ball. You know, it, look at the set piece. It's just madness. Sorry, Patrick. Yeah, I was thinking about the uh, the incident last you know a couple of seasons ago with James Ward Prowse. I mean, he goes out of his way to wind up Wilf, and the one time Wilf, you know, Wilf fell for it. Other times Wilf has scored goals. Uh, so I mean, it's just part of the game. So I mean, the people for that to happen yesterday was 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 honestly it was embarrassing that people one defended uh Nunez what he did and two had the nerve to, again to um to threaten Anderson it's, and it's part of the game it's what football's all about I mean so get over yeah. it basically yeah but exactly this this kind of the, the stuff on, on that happens on social media around games I think I saw some statistic today that I reckon 40 percent of footballers have have had death threats on on social media like, you know, and, and people wow. just think it's this kind of anonymous place that they can just do this stuff. And I just don't, I will never understand the mentality. I will never, you know, me, we've talked about this before. I've never understood the mentality of saying anything really to a footballer on other than, you know, positive stuff. I've never, I've never understood why a person would say to a footballer directly, you were rubbish today, let alone threaten their family. Cause what you, what you're hoping to achieve, um, I did once call Gary Lineker a twat, though, for disrespecting Mero and Shamak, but, you know, anyone. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, absolutely. How dare he? Did you send him that in a DM, Hambo? I didn't, know. I did it openly. <laughs> I'm not sure. Open. Open <laughs> but how, how like, dare he? a pigeon. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just slightly distracted because the, the cat that hates me is currently exploring. Uh, we're watching him camera um oh sorry that is probably a good re- place to to end the <laughs> review of liverpool and uh very quickly touch on some listener comments uh the first one um we've kind of tackled already so i'll uh i'll ask uh, uh the second one as a as a kind of open question uh in a sec but bald eagle um also somebody known as matron's armpit mentioned a similar theme talking about hughes being a, a great option um, and not having not not had a bad game in a Palace shirt, so Schlupp must be inc- incredible in training. Um, which, yeah, I, you know, I, I've talked about my views on that, and it, it seems that more than a couple of people are kind of sharing that 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 questioning. You know, again, I don't think anyone's intending to fully disrespect Jeff and the, and the work that he does, but is he our best option? Arguably not. Um, but it's certainly an indication we need to strengthen in that area. But Sean Perry got in touch as well and said, can we chat about my love for Decore? He's an absolute player, just needs to work on his fitness. Patrick, you've already mentioned how much you think of of Decore, so you you may wax lyrical further. Uh, Love the signing. Absolutely. When we were linked with him, I was beyond excited. Love Czech Kukiate, but this is such an upgrade. Like I said, you know, I'll say it again. 
the kid has everything that you need as a DM. He can tackle. He can get the ball forward. He's press resistant. He can break the lines. He can cross the ball. I mean, he almost set up a goal yesterday for Wilf. Not a great shooter. So that's what he took yesterday in Liverpool. But, I mean, he's not perfect. But And, again, I don't think the finish is an issue, honestly. I just think that a lot of – I just think he runs his you-know-what off and he gets thing. But I don't think it's a fitness issue. Um, honestly, I mean, we signed him, you know, mid, mid summer, he please didn't go on the trip. So he was back here for it. So I think, I think he's fit enough. I just think that, you know, he, he works really hard, but no, a brilliant signing. Um, again, if it's Hughes or whomever, just get someone in there with Eze and Decore and we'd be cooking because I said that midfield is going to be really good. If we get one more person, it might be Hughes. I'm not sure, but Decore is a absolute baller. I'm just interested to see what's to come because, you know, as you, as you say that whether it's fitness or whatever, you know, you, you put a good right. case that it isn't, um, you know, they're still getting to know his teammates. There's still that momentum, that yes. confidence and and really just adjusting to the pace of the Premier League gets a lot quicker than, <laughs> yeah, than the, than French, the French League, League. Have, ah, you know, yeah. so, so less time on the ball, We've got to make those decisions quickly. And already you can see that speed of thought is there, you know, um, and, and, and the fact that he was popping up in different places as well and even had a, no, quite bad shot at one stage. So, yeah, um, first half. Yeah, you know, we didn't bring him in for his goals, I believe. So, um, but no, that was you know it was really encouraging. And yeah, like I say, let's see where he is in half a season because the potential is is really there for for something quite dramatic. I think it's telling as well. Whenever you listen to um, hear that other players' views of whether or not they enjoy playing with these people, and I think it was Eze uh, after the game said exactly. Uh, what Patrick said basically like he just works incredibly hard he's just got his got his head down and you know wants to play for the team and I think if that's the attitude that you come in with with that amount of talent as well then you're not going to go far wrong I don't think no exactly right and um you know hope you also hope that 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 kind of sets the tone for everybody else as as well I mean we do have a, a you know a hard working squad we do have um you know a good attitude in and amongst the players I think it's fair to say but um, you know, bringing in people like that who set those, those levels, you know, I go all the way back to the impact that somebody like Yednak had on the side and even the impact that, that Gallagher had last year, somebody with that yeah. level of work rate, it just pushes other people because they realise yeah. that if they're going to have any chance of staying in a side, that the minimum they have to offer is that level as well. So let's um, move on really quickly because we've got to bring this to a close and that's to talk quickly about the fact that Ismailia Saar is uh, the, the Watford player who we did put a bid in for last time Watford were relegated um, and we've been heavily linked with, with trying to step in as we as the, the rumours are that Leeds were, were quite close but their bid has stalled as they need to sell a player uh, and we've seen an opportunity there. Um, also, you know, some rumours over the last few days that Antoine Semenya, who's um, playing at Bristol City, uh, is also a potential target. That's an interesting one for me. Statistically, you can't think why, but and they're asking 15 to 20 million for him, but um, actually very highly rated in the game. And um, other, other, you know, other teams have taken a real close look there. Um, comments on those, Patrick? I'm not interested in Saw. Um, I, I know we link with him. Only because I know when we were supposed to be setting Wolf as a Wolf replacement. I'm not saying he's not a good player. I just I just don't see how he fits in, honestly, with with uh Olise in Iboe. Maybe the left side you move Wolf. I d I don't know where he fits in, honestly. But I like the Semenyo. Now this is gonna be a weird link, so stay with me. Um it's a, it's a whole Bristol City uh Yannick Balassi thing that I'm thinking of, that I got the whole vibe going with him. I think that he's not it doesn't have a great goal to it. I think it's like a one in four. 
But they've got another player there called uh, Hand uh, Masengo. He's a midfielder from France. So we can get both of those players in for like 25 million. I would take that. He's like a kind of like an attacking slash central midfielder, Masengo. Again, Semenyo is more of a, is a striker, but I'd love to get those two in because, again, it just goes back to our whole, you know, get players from the, you know, championship, you know, Eze, Olise, Iboe, Plange, and just kind of build them up. I think that would be great. And they're both, I think they're both like 21, 22 years old. Yeah. So I like the Semenyo link. If we can get that, him and maybe Masengo, I'd love that as a, as a, as a late-minute um, acquisition for the uh, transfer window. Okay, brilliant. Um, the SAR one is interesting um, that it's popped up again. Um, obviously, we've had interest in the past, but it's a lot of money. Um, it and, is, right? I mean, yeah, it's know, a lot of money for him. And so. there's been queries over his other aspects to his game. Scored from the halfway <laughs> line the other day. Good good attacking player, but there's always been right. doubts over some elements of his game. Carl, where where do you guys think that rumour is coming from? Do you think it is, well, or the interest story is coming from? Do you think it is cl- just purely looking at what are we going to do if Wilf goes? Is that is that what you think is driving it? Oh, I mean, you always think there's an element of planning, don't you? There, right. if you look at you, you think we... there is. <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. think there is. This is Crystal Palace. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but you do think, like you know, I, I mean, if you look at um, Abirue, he's you know he's not he's right side. You know, he's a right sided player, just like Elise. So you're like, okay, well, we're really well stocked on the right hand side. Um, right. but central but and left side, we're not yeah. And yeah. so can Saar play there yeah he can yeah is he going to play there are we going to sign him I don't know um, I suppose we have to have a plan in place if Wilf if we get an offer for, a late offer for Wilf we have to have a plan in place to, to bring somebody in um, to try and carry that level you know but we're, we're not going to be able to So, but I just have no idea if it's even true so you know and that's my fear slash thought also, Hambo. But did you guys watch the post-match um, interview with Wilf yesterday on Sky? I haven't seen it. I've seen the comments, but I don't. If I you get a chance, you should watch it because his ex- he looks like a player who doesn't want to go anywhere. Yeah, who's totally bought into Vieira's system. You know what I mean? Really wants to really wants to take Palace places this season and the next. I mean, I know he hasn't signed the contract yet. This is the last year of contract. But honestly, I hadn't seen him really talk this season yet. And that interview yesterday, I was so blown away by his his devotion and and passion and and desire and how well you know he talked about how you know how he had basically died on the pitch yesterday they all did yesterday to get that get that one one draw he just sounded so positive towards palace i'd I'd be shocked i mean again obviously money talks and if he's not going to sign a contract you kind of have to sell him i guess but i mean i just think he wants to be here for this whole i think he's bought into the whole vieira thing but let's see I think that's 100% right. I think, um, I I can't remember which game it was towards the end of last season. um, And I was saying, it just looks like for the first time in his career, Wilf's got a manager that that really understands him, like not just as a player, but as a person as well. Like what makes him tick, what he needs from a manager. um, And it's just, it's giving him a confidence away from the arrogance and I don't mean arrogance in a bad way by the way I think it's what it's it's his arrogance that that makes him a great player but we're seeing that real like joy in his game and like also he's he's talking about I think in it was in that interview I think Patrick will correct me if I'm wrong where he he was talking about you know they're having to um, they were asked, sorry, to do more play off the ball for this game because there was no other option. And they, the language that he used around, like, yeah, uh, like struggle, suffering, suffering on the pitch, like you would That's never, the one, yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. never see Wilf say that with a smile on his face. 
before exactly. just, <laughs> when, when would we hear him say yeah the manager asked me to suffer and that I wasn't going to hardly touch the ball and I absolutely loved it like it's just <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know what Vieira's putting in his tea but it's working <laughs> um so no, I think that's a really nice place to end the show we've uh, we've talked for longer than planned anyway so um my thanks to Patrick and Cara for joining me on the show today and to Mikey for producing. Coming up, we have got that wonderful interview with Molly Sharp, so do stay tuned there. Thanks to all of you for listening to the show and in particular those of you who got in touch. Preview Boys recording on Wednesday, so that means the next podcast looks ahead to our home game against Aston Villa. We'll be with you very shortly. Until next time, come on you Palace. Hello everyone, Mike and me are joined by friend of the pod and Palace women's forward Molly Sharp to catch up ahead of the start of the Women's Championship and Molly's second season with Palace. Molly, how are you doing? Hi, I'm really well, thank you. Really happy to be back on. Yeah, it's nice to see you again. We obviously had yeah. you on uh, last season, it was our first time meeting you, having a chat um, and now it's nearly the start of the, the next season already. Um, Mike, your first time meeting Molly and having a chat, how are you doing? Yeah, absolute honour. Absolute honour. Should be good. Don't sound too sarcastic about that. (laughs) (laughs) Give me give me time for another beer and then I'll sound proper turfy. (laughs) The flat your flat beer that's gone off that we were talking about. Yeah, needs must. Needs must. (laughs) Desperate times. Uh, Molly, how was your summer? How was being outside of the season obviously we've got Euros to come on to and talk about but how was your summer what did you get up to? I had a really good summer to be fair I we all went on a holiday just at the end of the season um, went to Spain and then I ended up going back to Miami which is where I went to university and trained for just over a month out there with my old um, uni and got to use the facilities out there so that was amazing and then got some nice sun but um halfway through the summer we were all just like oh, I can't wait to be back um because it is a long time off but yeah I had a really really good time refreshed ready to go again it was good thank you I was uh definitely really jealous of all of your pictures on the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah I made sure everybody knew I was in Miami to be fair and looked it it looked amazing how was it being back there was it weird did it feel like different from when you were last there or what were the feelings yeah. It did because the last time I was there was when I was at university. So I kind of came home and I haven't been back since. So it's like like three years, graduated in 2019. So um, it was weird being back there as an adult, you know, with a job instead of a uni student with no really responsibilities. But it was really nice. Got to see all my old friends. Um Obviously, did all the things I wanted to do while I was there. You know, Miami's a fun place. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And um, most luckily for us, you came back, which... I did. I, did. <laughs> one of the I most couldn't say no. I couldn't say no. Once I, <laughs> once I knew that they wanted me, I just couldn't say no. Jumped back. So... <laughs> Tell us a bit about those conversations over the summer, because obviously we'll come on to it a bit later about the brand new team and stuff. But how long did you have to kind of wait until you knew that you you were coming back to Palace for a second season? Um, so it was the end of the season. That's when the talk started happening. And then they just kind of obviously make you an offer. And if you want it, you take it kind of thing. But yeah, I think we all knew with good time 
you know, it wasn't rushed or anything. So, yeah, I think we're all quite happy. Nice, nice. Well, we can't talk too much more about the summer without talking about the Euros, obviously. Yeah. So um, Mike was lucky enough to go to one of the games. Mike, I'll hand over to you. Well, be- before we get to that, I've got to ask, like, how are people in Miami with the Northern accent? Because, like, they can't understand a word I'm saying. Like, does it... Yeah, I mean, people in England can barely understand me. So yeah, throwing an American yeah, in there, you know, it's even... Tougher, but I think it was it was strange because I was obviously there for four years. But my mum, when I came home over Christmas and summer, my mum used to say, "Oh my gosh, your accent's changed so much." And then I'd be at home for a month, go back to America, and they'd be like, "Molly, we cannot understand a word you're saying anymore." So I guess it, I kind of slowed my accent down so they could understand me for the four months I was there. Then I went back to Yorkshire for a month, and it was like, right, restart. Um, right. Obviously, my accent's not changed slightly, so yeah, I didn't pick any anything up really. But yeah, they could, yeah, they I'm getting, really I'm getting a, a tinge of Yorkshire, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> just a bit, yeah, just a bit. I definitely noticed when I was over there. If I swapped a T for a D and asked for a bottle of water, they'd understand me. But otherwise, that's not it. A chance. That's the one. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, let, let's talk about the Euros. I mean, I, I know. It's been talked to, talked about to death, you know, like it's all that talk sport we've been able to talk about this summer, that kind of stuff. But no, you went to like quite a few of the games, like talk us through your experience of it and like you, how much you reckon it's going to change the domestic stuff for this season. Yeah, so I went to the game against Norway, which probably one of the best games I could have chosen to go to. Um, and then I actually went to the final at Wembley. Um, we had things on other days, training, and it was actually quite hard to get tickets in the end. So really lucky to get to the final. But I remember going um, to the game against Norway and I was just thinking how nice it was to be there and seeing families there. There were schools on school trips and you could just tell all the children, the young boys and girls, felt so safe being there. And from my perspective, I just think that's so nice and it worked like it was sold out you know it was full great atmosphere uh, Mexican wave going around which I absolutely loved I was there for it doing Mexican wave more than I was watching the game but yeah it was just such a nice atmosphere and obviously with the win everybody was was just buzzing and then when the final came around obviously the hype had just got bigger and bigger because England were in the final and all this and again it was you know I was sat kind of at the front and there were like children with the parents all around me and little boys, little girls, you know, men were there watching and it's just nice. I do feel like England men bring the country together, but I really think that the women brought the country together and winning it um, will have a momentous effect um, for football, women's football. But yeah, I think the girls winning it and the effect that they've had on the youth, this is going to be talked about forever. I talk about the women that inspired me you know, 10, 15 years ago. These are going to be the women that inspire the next generation, which I just think, you know, it's things that money can't buy, you know, it means more than anything. So I just think it's brilliant for the country and for women's football in general, really. Hopefully there's a drop-down effect, you know, people go watch WSL, come watch Championship, go watch the leagues below as well. So, yeah, I think it's brilliant. When when you get... Sorry, Mike. (laughs) 
when uh, when you talk about like 10, 15 years ago, the players that um, inspired you, like, can you tell us a bit about who they were? And also, like, if you look back now, could you ever have imagined a women's tournament going the way that it, not just the winning of it, but like, like everything that you've just described, could you ever have imagined that happening in 2022? God, no. I, when I was a kid, I didn't even know that being a professional footballer was even a thing. For a woman, you know, it was just like you play for fun and you have a job on the side. So, but yeah, um, my like the women that I looked up to in in football was Sue. Like Sue Smith was my like be all and end all. She was the one that scouted me. She came to watch me in a tournament and then ended up like telling Leeds United to sign me. So she, I've just watched her throughout my career. And then obviously Kelly Smith, another one who's just take it like took it to the next level and put them building blocks down and then them groundworks for the, the women now like Leah and and all them to, to build on and create a safe space for like girls in football and and just to go on and actually achieve and be a professional footballer. Like for, for me to say that I'm a professional footballer now is like, I rang my mum and I was like, mum, like I'm a professional footballer. She was like, oh my God, it's what you've wanted your whole life. So yeah, I just I think it's amazing, and I really do wish that I was young again so that I could go through the go through it right now. But obviously, I'm making the most of it, being a bit older. But yeah, it's it's been amazing. I'm guessing the club have announced it's professional now, then, or have you just dropped? Yeah, it? yeah. Have you just? <laughs> yeah. No, I think they have. They've announced it. Don't worry, it's all good. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, like, um, what do you think the positive effects of all the kids and stuff going to the women's game and have on, on the men's game as well. Like very few ridiculously dramatic um, fake dives, that kind of stuff. And it, it also the moment that the, um, the EFL started again, you know, there was videos up on Twitter of like the big guy, like having a go at the police and stuff. Like, do you think the better behaved um, crowds and the fact that there was less, you know, trying to work the referee um, in the women's game will have a decent effect or we'll have to wait and see? Yeah, I think I think it will. Like, women just don't do that as much as men. I just, I'm not sure what, what that reason is, but I know, Cara, from coming to our games, you probably saw it. We just kind of go down and get my cut. It's just, it just is what it is. Probably because I've got my coaches screaming at me to, you know, get up and stuff. That's probably part of the reason. Um but yeah, I just think it was a really safe space for families and children to go watch. And I think that will encourage them. You know, I've heard about a lot of young kids who didn't like football before or wasn't really interested in watching it. And now they've, you know, reached out and said, we'd really love to come watch you play. Like, when's your next game? When's your home game? And stuff like that. And I just think it's obviously going to be brilliant for us, more fans, you know, more engagement, stuff like that's obviously amazing. And the more fans we get, it spurs us on to, you know, go and win games. Um, but it is just about supporting local clubs, wherever you are, wherever you're from. It doesn't matter if it's WSL, Championship, Tier 1, like I said. Um, just going and watching it, I think, is just, it's fun. So, yeah. I think the other the other thing that I think this tournament really saw a shift in 
like how women's football is talked about is because people got to see the quality. I think there's always like an assumption that the, the quality isn't going to be there or whatever. And like, even if people are arguing like for um, support for women's football, it was kind of from an equalities point of view rather than from like a, you know, it's really good to go and watch. Whereas what we saw is the whole world had no option but to look and see the absolute quality that was on display. Um, and hopefully that will, like you say, people will think of going to women's football because they just want to go and see football and like Mike to your point maybe that's the difference as well in that the people who want to go and watch football and not get involved in nonsense will go like well I'm going to go and watch the decent football I don't have to yeah I think people have a perception that if they watch women play they're not going to be as good or or whatever that perception is but when you play against other women it's like well who's a better team you know we're probably on like level playing field so it's always going to be a good game and that I think that's what you saw in the Euros with obviously playing Germany in the final, we were lucky that Pop didn't play, but um, playing Germany in the final, it was two teams with 23 players of pure quality and good players, you know, Ella chipping the keeper. Like, it's things that, and obviously Russo's back heel, kids in the park, you know, doing it and screaming like Russo and stuff like that. So I think them playing well also helps because it, it's exciting to watch you know so definitely and is yeah. that impact I know we've mentioned it we've spoken about it before but it's that impact that it has on the like boys watching as well isn't it that like then they also get to see it's, it's this one thing kind of the girls seeing oh I can I can do that that's successful to me and then it's another thing the boys watching it and being like oh I, actually I want to be like Russo I want to copy that trick and we've just not had that before and like the difference I think I think I've heard a few people talk about it as well, like just in wider society, the impact that has on on women in wider society, I think it will spread from outside of football, you know, of just not having that separation of what is and isn't accessible. And I just wonder, like, where do you think we'll be when it gets to the next tournament? Like, if this is how big this tournament is, what's the next tournament that we go into going to be like and what's the kind of impact of that going to be to continue to grow? Yeah, well, I one day I hope that we don't have to, you know, make a, a point about men playing and women playing. You know, it's just that's men's football, that's women's football. They, they are different, but they're also amazing in their own way. So when the Women's World Cup obviously comes up next year, I hope that the country just gets behind them like they have this year. Equal, you know, they get everything that the men get. Little boys don't know, little girls don't know. They see a they see a filled stadium and they think, wow, that's amazing. And they see it on TV, just like it is with the men, you know, the commentators, all that. And they don't see it as a difference, like, oh, that's a woman playing or that's a man playing. They just see, oh, that's football and that's what I want to play and that's what I want it to be. Um, that's what I hope it to be. One day in the future. Wait, wait till you're on FIFA 23 and there's, a, yeah, there's exactly. a player for you. I mean, that's going to be massive as well. Just obviously it's a WSL this year, but, you know, people do just go on FIFA. I used to play FIFA, pick a random team. If a women's team comes up, you learn the players subconsciously, you know, the nationalities, things like that. Every, everything like that that gets the names of the, the female players out there is only going to help. I would also love to hear the arguments between you lot when you're going through the stats between you and getting... getting If my scorecard is not where I want it to be, I'll be fuming. (laughs) 
We'll, we'll bring you back on when that happens and you can set the record straight. We'll, we'll, we'll bring, it, it, bring it on. Maybe my pace won't be good, but hopefully my shot will be like up there. <laughs> we'll see how many of the was it a shot or was it a cross comes out. Oh, in God. So, so many last season. I wonder how many is going to be this season. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, that's true. <laughs> well, let's let's use that as a as a segue to talk about the season ahead. Then, so um, obviously we've, we've got a brand new team, right? Fifteen mm-hmm. new players. We're at. Um, talk us through how preseason has been. How's the kind of dynamic of the group? Like all getting to know each other. How is that working? What's the feel? Um, and yeah, what's the what's the new group like? Yeah, it's been amazing so far. You know, the new girls that have come in, obviously they've been announced now. So everybody knows that we've got some real, real talent in. You know, some girls, some some younger girls coming up through the ranks, um, some uh, more experienced players in the WSL, let's say. So they know that how tough the championship is. You know, it is a tough league. Um, but the, the weeks that we've been in, we've bonded, we've... We've really got along. We're working with the coaches well to get ready for the upcoming season, and we're just all so excited to get going now. Like it's just there's just a buzz around camp, obviously from from the going full time and the new players that have come in and and all that stuff. So I just think for us, it's just amazing to to get the experience from the new players that have come in and see what they've learned at the rubber clubs. Um, yeah, it's a really exciting time, I think, for us at the minute. How how difficult or or not difficult maybe has the process been to kind of gel as a team with that like completely new um, combination of people? Yeah, obviously it's always a difficult process because there's more new players than there is uh, remaining players. Um, it's kind of down to the remaining players to say like, look, this is how it works here. You know, get that get that in for, like quickly so that the new players are not like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? But we are really lucky that the girls that have stayed are amazing and the new girls have just te- taken everything on board. You know, if we give them advice, they listen, they listen to the coaches and we just we just all really get along. It's not like there's clicky groups like, you know, in some teams there can be groups and stuff. We just, you sit next to somebody, you have a chat with her, turn around, have a chat with, with the next girl. So it is a really nice team environment and I think we are really, really lucky with the girls that we've got in. They're all lovely and some some great players. So yeah. Well, let's um, let's talk about the ambitions then. I mean, um, I spoke to Dean at the end of the season, and um, he was. I think he was a little bit ambivalent. I think he he felt um, he felt that it had been a great season, but he it obviously strived for slightly more. So, what's the plan this season? Is it, um, is it, is it <laughs> well, I mean, it's a horrible yeah. question, I know. No, of course it is, yeah. Everybody wants to be in the WSL, you know. We were a part-time team last year and we came joint third. I like to say we were fourth, but, you know, joint third on goal difference. Um, so we proved to everybody that we can, you know, ex- exceed expectations. So I think the club have backed us and been amazing so far. So I just think, we can take that and and take it one game at a time you know if we can get a win every week we'll get promoted but yeah promotion is in the sights let's say that's what we're going for that's what we want so yeah we is, is there been any has there been any um sort of talk of 
you know, if, if things go well, there'll be more at Seller. So is that just not, it's not even a discussion at the moment. It's just see how it goes. No, nothing's been discussed about that. I think in our camp, we just kind of focus on the football and everything else will work itself out. And I think that's what we did last year and it worked. We went to training, we focused on the game on Sunday. Monday we reviewed the game and then we went We went the next week and it was just every week that's what we did and we did really, really well. Um, considering like there's a lot of full-time teams in our league and, and things like that. So I just think that's what we're going to do this year, focus on the football and the rest will take care of itself really. I was looking at the um, fixtures the other day and mm. uh, hadn't noticed at first that our last game of the season is Charlton away. <laughs> it is so indeed. Just a request for my own like health and sanity. Let's not leave it down to the last game. <laughs> <of> the <season. laughs> yeah, I know. I know that's what Dean said. Is that like, please don't leave it to the last game? But what a way to do it if we do. You know, be amazing. Absolutely. But yeah, that's going to be an exciting end to the season against against Charlton on the last day. So. Yeah, looking forward to that, therefore. Hopefully it'll be like a, a display match so that we can, mm. I don't know, maybe like send them down or something. That would be quite a good way to... If that, if well, we yeah, they can, they can do a, a tunnel of honour for us. Guard yeah. of honour. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll see. Who, um, who do you think will be the main rivals this season? Is it kind of, have you got certain teams in sights of of like really wanting to take them on or is it kind of all up in the air until we get a fair few games in? Um, I think just seeing what other teams are doing, you know, who they're signing, the players that are signing, I think Birmingham are going to be strong. Obviously, they've just come down from the WSL um, so they know what it's like to play against tough teams each week. Um, so I think they will be tough, um, sign some really talented players. Um, Durham are always a tough, tough game, you know. My old team, um, you're in for a fight when you when you play against Durham because they just want to win. So that's and it's a long way, you know, when we go up there and stuff. So that's a tough game. Um, Bristol, you know, obviously beat them in the first game last year, and then they beat us, so it was very fifty fifty. Um, but honestly, I think the way that this league is going, there's just it's there's no. There's no games where you can say that's going to be like definite, like 100% we're going to win that game. Because it, it is, anyone can beat anyone in our league. And over the years that it's been running, you see that. You see the teams at the bottom beating the teams at the top. And it, it it just is anyone's game. And that's why I say we just need to focus every week on, on who we're playing on a Sunday and not think, oh, we've got this team in two weeks. We need to be, you know, it, it is about getting the three points on, on that Sunday. So... But yeah, it's a tough league, so hopefully we can uh, we can go for it. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned playing on a Sunday. Um, I think we we brought it up in the pod quite a lot, where um, we tend to do a little segment on the women's team and the and the uh, age group teams at the start of each pod. Mm-hmm. And the amount of times we can't see either because they've clashed with the men's game, and I know that's a lot to do with the the Sky Sports setup and Palace, you know, to be. The men's team first two games this season, for example, Friday night and Monday night. Um, mm. It does look as though there's less classes, and it looks what well, it's, it's you guys. I know it's talked about before. You're playing Celeste, what second and third games? So um, it, 
we it haven't been like confirmed yet, but we will have some games at Sellers this year, which yeah. is like massive for us. You know, we're all buzzing about it. So yeah, we're just so looking it, to see when when that'll be. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, really hoping that it won't clash with a, a men's away game. But I mean, yeah, how, how big is that? How how much would that mean to you? Oh, I mean, when when we got told, we were all so happy about it because that to us, I think that's when you know, you know, we are part of Crystal Palace. We're not like, we obviously we're Crystal Palace women, but we are Crystal Palace Football Club. And I think, you know, being part of the family, being being at the academy and, and stuff like that is is amazing. And that just shows that they do have faith in us and they are willing to, you know, back us, get behind us. And it's an amazing pitch, amazing facilities. And hopefully us playing there, um, we'll be able to bring no more fans in and things like that. But we are, we are really, really grateful for the opportunity to play there. It's, it's amazing. And what final question, what are your, I don't want to, we won't hold you to it, don't worry, but <laughs> what are your, like, uh, what are your personal goals for this season? Like, what do you want to achieve um, through this season? Have you got, like, a number of goals in mind you're going to go for? Or, like, yeah, what's, what's the thinking? Um... I always say double figures, um, but I think because I was top scorer last year, I would love to be top scorer again this year um, on on a personal level. Um, I'd also like to get double figures in assists as well. That's a lot lot to ask, I know, but I think um, with the way that the games are going to be this year, it's just going to be, there's going to be less weekends off because I feel like last year we had a lot of weekends off and obviously the Continental Cup games were at like midweek. Um, so maybe because they're not, they're potentially on a weekend now, um, it'll help with, you know, getting the run of games in, not having as many breaks, things like that. Um, but for me, double figures, top scorer. And then as a team, you know, promotion would be unreal. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll give a, a shout out to everyone listening to get down to as many home and away games as possible because we know how much we saw it in the Euros and, and you know, we've, we spoke about it last season, didn't we, with the Charlton game, just mm-hmm. how much that like crowd makes a, a difference. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see an uptick in that as well. And we'll get you back on at the end of the season and we'll review how you're... <laughs> how the said, you got to record this and see, see, if I've, uh, see if I've got it right or what. <laughs> that's it, that's it. So first game, 21st, Sunday the 21st, away at uh, London City, who play in Dartford. Um, yeah, you there. Um, yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's London one, so hopefully we can, everyone listening, jump in the car, jump on the bus, jump on the train. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the home game after that, the Saturday after, so the 27th at Bromley. So that'll be a good one against Coventry. Car is offering to give anyone a lift, by the way. So just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to do my bit, get everyone there. <laughs> are you going to be there or are you, are you still living away? Who, me? I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yes, love that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm What's coming. Yeah, I can't come to the I can't come to the one on the twenty seventh. So I was like, no way am That's I going right. to the, the first game of the season. So yeah, I will Amazing. be screaming my head off. All right, we will let you go. Thanks so much for coming back on, Molly. It's been lovely to catch up. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me on. Not Thanks. at all. Luck <laughs> for the season ahead. Thank you so much. Bye.
it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.